Alright, good to go. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Timothy Jensey. And for this episode, we are going to be doing another top five. This time, it's the top five Hockey Hall of Fame 2018 wish list. Now, these are five players who Tim and I both feel that should go into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we will discuss why. Mm-hmm. So let's start with number one, and uh, it turns out Tay and I have the same players here. Okay. At number one, it's actually a two-way tie. Now... The first name that I'm going to mention is very obvious, and he will get in first year. The second player got snubbed in 2017, but I feel he'll get in in 2018. Martin Brodeur and Daniel Alfredson. Both are widely considered as some of the great players of our time. Martin Brodeur, widely considered the greatest goalie of all time, winning three cups, made the cup final five times. Rookie of the year in 1994, five-time Jennings Trophy winner, ten-time All-Star, winner of two... Olympic gold medals in 2002 and 2010, and he won the World Cup of Hockey in 2004. Now, if you're not even just impressed by all that, here are some of the records that he holds. He has all-time wins with 691. The record of shutouts, which no one thought that would ever be broken, of 103. Bruder has that with 125, and he holds the most games played with 1,266. Now, despite that, he does hold the record for most losses with 397. I think a lot of that had to do... With just how many games he played. That too, but the last couple of seasons he played in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And we can't forget, and you might not notice him, he almost came close to becoming a Calgary Flame. Ooh, how would that happen? 1990 draft in Vancouver. Calgary Flames and New Jersey Devils swapped first-round picks because Calgary wanted to draft Trevor Kidd. Who? Trevor Kidd was a goalie for the Calgary Flames who he had a co- couple of really good seasons, not superstar by any means. But in 1990, going into the draft, he was the highest ranked goalie prospect. Oh, okay. There was him, Felix Potvin was two, and Martin Brodeur was three. Now, we all know Trevor Kidd went to Calgary, Toronto got Felix Potvin, New Jersey got Murray Brodeur. And Felix Potvin was a decent enough goalie in his own right. Yeah, and he had two absolutely fantastic seasons in Toronto to start his career. Mm-hmm. But I know that, like I said, they swapped first-round picks. Calgary, I think they drafted 12th, 12th or 13th, and they got Trevor Kidd. New Jersey drafted 20th, and they got Martin Brodeur, who, by the way, in our last episode of Mustaches, we forgot his rookie year. Yeah, he had a just a greasy stash. Yeah, it kind of looked like the stereo. I don't want to say a pedo stash, but it was it was gross. It was pretty bad. And he's also the only goalie who has scored a goal in the regular season and playoffs. Oh, wow. But he was famous for like going up to the red line and just potting it in. Yeah, well, they I know the NHL introduced the trapezoid. Because for him of and Marty Turco. Yep. Turco would actually stick handle frequently. Daniel Albertson is also widely considered as the greatest Ottawa Senator of all time. Like Martin Brodeur, he won the Calder Trophy in 1996. He won... Uh, two Olympic medals. He won gold in 2006 and silver in 2014. Played in seven All-Star games. Now, the thing that 
He's also the longest-serving captain with he one is. team. And he also holds the record for leader in goals, assists, points in both regular season and playoffs for the Senators. And he holds the record for most points in a game by center with seven. Now, I feel Eric Carlson's going to break those records for the playoffs regular season. I don't know what seven points in a game. Oh, he's got it in him. We'll wait and see. Well, remember, Carlson's the offensive engine of the Ottawa Senators. He is the man who stirs the drink. He is, but however, in Guy Boucher's system, though, I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. And Alfredson also had Spezza and Heatley. the rock, sorry, the really hot Danny Heatley. Yeah. Looking back at the 2017 Hockey Hall of Fame, I think the reason why Daniel Alfredson got snubbed is due to his lack of individual awards. And the fact that he was up against bona fide European winger, like yep. very solid European winger, winger Tamu Solani, and the Hockey Hall of Fame sometimes has a Canada bias, so you're probably not getting more than one European skater in in a year. Mm-hmm. And if 2017 is the year where both Martin Brodeur and Daniel Albertson headline the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony, it'll be interesting to see who goes in in 2018. Mm-hmm. So at number two, you and, both, you and I both have this on this list. Mm-hmm. Martin St. Louis. Now, another guy who played for the Calgary Flames, and he got cut by the Flames in 2000 after being an undrafted college player. Oh, that's ironic. It's ironic because he later went to Tampa Bay, became a superstar, and his 2003-2004 season was one of the best seasons of any player of the recent history. He won the Lester B. Pearson, mm-hmm. Hart, mm-hmm. Art Ross, wow. and Stanley Cup. Over said Calgary Flames. Yes, in 2004. And he repeated as the Art Ross winner in 2013 at the age of 37. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. He had 60 points in 48 games. 37 age 37, which is insane. Yeah. And he's also, he won an Olympic gold medal in 2014 at the Sochi Olympics. An Olympics that was shrouded in controversy due to his and Steve Eisenman's uh, off ice problems. Yeah. And not to mention uh, just how bad the facilities were in Russia. Yeah. But, I mean, I know that, <laughs> excuse me, Tampa Bay wanted, was going to send Timo, or not Timo Slani, Steven Stamkos. And he was injured, so they decided, okay, well, we'll finally, we'll, we'll send Marty St. Louis. Marty St. Louis was actually offended by that. Mm-hmm. That he got overlooked. And it was shortly after that he demanded a trade out of Tampa Bay. Which where he went to New York. Which he went to the Rangers, which he had one great playoff game. That didn't do much in New York, and I feel it's really a shame. But it's not really a big damper on his career, though. Well, it happened so late. Yeah, it's it's unlike his uh, former teammate Vincent LeCavalier when he was with Philadelphia. where yeah. And I actually made a mistake on this list. I put Vincent LeCavalier's name on this list, despite the fact he's not eligible until 2019. Mm-hmm. And Le Cavalier is just a tough case to talk about because the big thing about Le Cavalier is that uh, his struggles in uh, Philadelphia then Los Angeles were just so drawn out that a lot of people do forget about how phenomenal he was in Tampa. Yeah, I think there was a good three, four year span where Le Cavalier, St. Louis, and Brad Richards mm-hmm. were playing for the Lightning. And I don't think Brad Richards is going to go in the Hall of Fame despite the fact he won the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2004. Le Cavalier... Like you said, he's a tough case to argue for the Hockey Hall of Fame because he had the struggles of Philly. I do feel that when he went to Los Angeles, though, he sort of had a resurgence, and I really felt terrible that he 
got stuck in Philadelphia for so long. Yeah, and I know that that sucked the fun out of the hockey for him. Mm-hmm. And he was the first to admit that. I know when he went to Los Angeles and in that playoff series against the Sharks, and he was the best player on the Kings. Which is insane. And, and I know watching them, I'm thinking, you know, I really hope that him playing with good players like Jeff Carter, Marianne Gabrick, maybe Drew res- Doughty. Andrew, Andrew Doughty re-sparked that love of hockey. Love of but... hockey in him, and he'll stick around. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And we're getting a little off topic here, but go back to Marty St. Louis. He's a household name. He deserved it. And he may- like he helped Tampa Bay get very far again under uh, was it under Boucher. Back in like 09, 010, 11. Well, I know Guy Boucher's first season in Tampa Bay. <coughs> he uh, took him almost to the Sonic Finals. Mm-hmm. Gee, where have we heard that before? Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. It sounds creepy. So anyway, now we're going to go to... We're moving on in our list. Tim is going to produce his number th- or number three pick. My list is different from Tim's after this. Mm-hmm. And they actually diverge quite a bit. Because for number so. three, I have Rod Brindamore. Okay, now please explain your reasoning for this, because I don't... He's a great player, but I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. So please explain your reasoning Well, for I it. think the big thing about Rod Brindamore is a lot of the players that make it to the Hall of Fame, they're very prolific scorers. Rod Brindamore was a prolific defensive player who still had the ability to really drive play and put in a lot of points. Like, even though he's... He's won the Selkie twice, won the Stanley Cup, so he's got he's got hardware to justify getting in there. Mm-hmm. And most of the Selkie guys, they're two-way but a little weaker on the offensive side. So think of Mike Fisher. But Rod Brindamore... Or uh, Yuri Lettinen Or Yuri Lettinen in Dallas. But Rod Brindamore silently put up 1,200 points in 1,600 games he played. Yeah. So he's in the 1,000 club. And, which, he's, and he's got a Stanley Cup. And he's got a Stanley Cup, so... And by, he's got for, for that, chops. I mean... By that resume alone, that should have gone to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. However, I'm going to make the uh, argument about Dickie Duff, former Montreal Canadian, played in the... Again. Okay, that's Heels. two, be- that's that's two, two beers. moose heads. That's two moose heads. Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to pick up the tab for that. <laughs> Go back to what I was saying about Dickie Duff. He was a defensive player for the Montreal Canadiens uh, during their heyday mm-hmm. in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Or 50s, 60s, I should say. And he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Lots of people argued that. Because they said, well, why are you putting him in the Hall of Fame and not putting Pavel Bray or Phil Housley or players who have, are now in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you were talking about Rod Brindamore, 1,200 points, 1,600 games. Two Selkies and Two Selkies. Cup. And I think Dickie Duff has multiple Stanley Cups, probably six, seven of them. Well, he's he was with the Canadians. Sure. Like, not to diminish what that those teams did, but I feel like Rod Brindamore, like, even in his time in Philadelphia, where he was putting up very respectable points and dealing with a vol well, well deal, dealing with Eric fucking Lindros. Yep. Like, the man was nothing but class. Beloved. He's an excellent player, was recognized for being excellent. Yeah. And I think that, if not this year, then maybe in a few years, Rod Brindamore should be in the league as one of the top of the top examples of a strong defensive defenseman sorry defensive offenseman my number three is a i kind of went a different path than you did mm-hmm. my number three is sergey gonchar when you say sergey gonchar i mean you think oh he was a good player and he put up 800 
points in his career. Or he despite takes both that, despite the fact he put up 800 points, it's his lack of awards, and he mm-hmm. got overshadowed by so many other defensemen like Nicholas Lidstrom, players like that who won so many Norse trophies. He never won it. Mm-hmm. And even in his best season, he finished fifth in voting for the Norse Trophy. He doesn't have a lot of awards. However, he's the first Russian defenseman to score 20 goals in a season, which he did twice with the yep. Washington Capitals. He won a Stanley Cup in 2009 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he played on the 98 Capitals team. It's like he's done a lot. He has. And but a lot of people criticize him for his last two year, last few years in the league. Like his years with Ottawa. I thought he played his decent last, in Ottawa. His last year in Pittsburgh, where on a play that would have pushed the Penguins onto the next round of the Stanley Cup Finals, Gontra got absolutely turnstiled. Like, he didn't even look like he was moving. And I believe it was the Philadelphia player. I think it was Scott Hartnell. Absolutely turnstiled Gonchar. And then went and popped a basketball. Flyers move on. And I feel like that scene is so stuck in so many people's heads. Right. That it could it could be a black mark against Gonchar. Especially because Gonchar has so so little of the individual awards. Even though his career was so good. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess, him ending his career in Dallas, you didn't really hear much out of Dallas because by that time, he was a role player. Yeah, and I know in uh, recent years, Dallas has, has several players that have gone to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Darren Hatcher's went in, Joe Newendike has gone in, Brad Hall, Mike Badano, Eddie Belfour. So, unless the Stars go on deep playoff runs mm-hmm. or they have these superstar players, generally, they're not talked about in no. the hockey media although he was on the stars the year that they were super fun to watch that year like don't get me wrong no. because but that was more so because they had like they had jamie ben tyler sagan jason spezza so it was just a super yeah. fun team to watch the next year's dallas stars team is going to be fantastic. fantastic yeah so it's either going to be a make or break season for them mm-hmm but let's so, get back to halt all right moving on to number four tim what do you got on your list i've this one's like super, super off the rail, like way out in the woods. Okay. I think Thomas Vokun should be given consideration. Okay. Because Thomas Vokun is probably the most underrated goaltender in the last 20 years. We're talking about a guy who was on a horrendously bad Florida Panthers team who was still posting 9.92 save percentage. Okay. So that's above average goal. And you tending. and I were talking about this off. You know, off camera, mm-hmm. or off the record, we should yeah. say. And uh, and I both, you and I both agreed about Roberto Luongo in Florida. Yeah, it's that like, despite the fact, until he went to Vancouver, he no. was putting up those kind of numbers. Yeah. And then he went to Vancouver and he became the superstar that the Canuck fans loved and hated. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing about Vokun though was like Vokun was silently brilliant. That even into his later years, where his numbers started to digress a bit, he still stayed above like that average goaltender line and he was only really killed by his teams taking a lot of penalties because like his even strength save percentage in his best year best years was like 0.44 even getting close to 0.9 sorry 0.94 getting close to 0.95 which is absolutely phenomenal right like those numbers look like carry price's best seasons so this is a guy that if he never got the recognition he deserved the closest is in a season where he went he played very well with Pittsburgh. He got, th- he 
got some third place votes for Vesnia. And he killed Ottawa. In and he the killed Ottawa in the playoffs. So like Thomas Vokun is he's so underrated, but I think he might have been one of the best goaltenders around the beginning of the Stanley of the salary cap era, and nobody knew. Do you think that his lack of awards is will hard, kill him? Hard, yeah, because he didn't win a Stanley Cup, did he? He never won a Stanley Cup. He never won a Vesnia. Yeah, it's like, and most people just forgot about like him and uh, who is who is the goaltender in uh, in uh, Minnesota that was quietly brilliant? Dubnik. Not Dubnik, the one before it. Um, Manny Fernandez? Not Fernandez. Like Dwayne Rolson? Not Rolson. It was... Uh, I forget who it was now, but like, there's some goaltenders who are just silently brilliant. Right. Would you consider Craig Anderson in that list, though, being quietly brilliant? Because I know he had a couple seasons where he was hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah, Craig Anderson will always be hot, cold, hot, cold. I think Craig Anderson, he probably won't make it into the Hall of Fame because of how hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah. But when Anderson was hot, is hot, he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like That third round of last season's yeah. playoffs is proof of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Thomas Vokun will not get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, but I think he should. Right. Okay. At number four I got on my list is a player, uh, much like Thomas Vokun and Sergei Gonchar, this player is Russian. Alexander McGillney. Now, this is one that's really going to divide people regarding whether or not he should go in the Hockey Hall of Fame because uh, despite the fact Alexander McGillney is considered one of the greatest Russian players of all time, he's got 1,000 points, Stanley Cup. He had two 50-goal seasons. One goal, or one season, he had 76 in 1993, mm-hmm. tying Timo Solani, and 55 in 96 with Vancouver. And he, like I said, won a Stanley Cup with the New, New Jersey Devils. However, the rest of his years, I mean, he really ranged around 40 to 70 points. And it didn't look like he cared. Which I, oh. I understand a lot of Russian guys. Like, Fedorov, when he played in Anaheim and Columbus, mm-hmm. was like that. And uh, Burray, at certain times in Florida. And Alex, Alexei Kovalev and is Kovalev. the perfect example yep. of that. So I think that's why... Uh, McGillney also lacks in hardware. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made the all-star team multiple times. And his former teammates, such as Matt Sundin, Pavel Burry, like I mentioned, Pat LaFontaine, Sergey Fedorov, have all said that McGillney was the best player they ever played with. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to note Matt Sundin said that, because in McGillney's first year in Toronto, it was the only year in Matt Sundin's tenure with the Leafs, he did not finish first in scoring. He finished second, and McGillney finished first in 2002-2003. Wow. Yeah. So, and um, he also doesn't have his number retired by the Sabres. Actually, he doesn't have his number retired by any team, despite the fact how many points. And I have have the total right here. Mm -hmm. 1,032 points in 908 games. So, pretty good. Mm -hmm. But... Like I was saying, he was always a player. He always perceived like he just he didn't care. Like he didn't put much effort into it. And there were seasons in the later part of his career in Vancouver, he was getting eighteen goals, nineteen goals. I mean, that's that's not how Hall of Fame call it. No, caliber. not at all. So, but I always remember him. And there was a stretch of a couple of years where one of the best players, talent wise. Hmm. So. That's that he's at number four for me. I don't think he's gonna get in at all. Great player, but not Hall of Fame worthy. 
Now, coming in at number five for you, Tim. I didn't initially pick a number five because they only pick four people at a time. Okay. So, my number five is going to be Sean Avery. Oh my god, he was so fun. <laughs> like, I think the first conversation that Tay and I really had in deep about hockey was just shit that Sean Avery could get away with. Yeah. Like, he called Jorge LaRock a monkey and got away with it. Yeah. He called Martin Brother fatso. There was a whole thing with, with Alicia Cuthbert. Alicia Cuthbert, he didn't get away with that. No. He called... He was playing in Calgary, and at the time, or, Sean sorry, Avery, Dion was playing in yeah. Calgary, and Sean Avery was in town to play. Sean Avery had recently broken up with Alicia Cuthbert, and now Dion Phaneuf was dating her. So, Sean Avery calls around the whole media circus to tell them, smile, breathing on his face, that Sean a- Dion Phaneuf has my sloppy seconds. He had crossed the NHL's line, finally. He was cut from the Dallas Stars that day and forced into anger management. And I know that John Tortorella, who was with TSN at the time, mm-hmm. criticized Sean Avery, saying he's, you know, he's glad he's ha- great. It's not he's not in the league anymore. A few months later, he was Avery's head coach in New York. <laughs> and Avery has gone up and saying that Torts was one of the worst coaches he ever had. Yeah. Now Sean Avery is. It's just such an interesting dude because he was known as the bone of like the worst pest to play yeah. against because he knew how to get under everyone's skin. He was like he was like a modern day Claude Lemieux, yeah. Minus but, the whole you know dr- nailing players from behind, yeah. Him like, Sean Avery wouldn't cheap shot people. He would just he ran his mouth so well that it pissed everyone else off. Yeah, there is a rule in the NHL book called the Sean Avery rule. Because of what he did in a playoff game in 2007, he sat in... So, New York was up 5-on-3 against New Jersey Devils. So, he sat up in front of Martin Brodeur, started waving his stick in his face, allegedly saying, neener, 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 you can't get me. Brodeur slapped Avery's stick out of his face. And as that was happening, the Rangers shot the puck in his score. Yeah. And if you noticed, if you go back and watch the clip, you can see Chris Drury skate over and say, hey, knock it off. Mm-hmm. But Sean Avery was being such a jackass that his team was able to score. And that's why the Rangers <laughs> liked Sean Avery. And I think he should be remembered for being the asshat he is. Yeah. Maybe they should put, like, a stupid corner in the, in the Hall of Fame. Put him with a dunce hat. Yeah. Because, honestly, I think... We need to remember how dumb people could be sometimes. I think he's actually still the editor at Vogue, by the way. Is he? Yeah, in the off-seasons, he used to... Yeah, I know he got it for fashion machines. Yeah. yeah. And he always had really fab glasses. He did. There was that whole rumor that him and Andy Cohen were gay, too. Mm-hmm. I would not be... I don't know. It. He's just such a weird dude. Yeah. Now, for me, coming in at number five is another player who used to run his mouth in the NHL. And that, of course, NBC commentator, Jeremy Roenick. <sighs> Just by hearing that, you know, Tim is not a fan. However, lots of fans loved Jeremy Roenick. He was a fan favorite when he played. And it was because of his willingness and openness to the fans. And he, and he stems that from an incident when he was a kid 
He went to a Hartford Whalers game, and he was down by the glass, and Gordy Howe grabbed a pack full, like a thing, just a little ball full of snow, threw it over the glass, and it landed on Ronick. <laughs> Gordy Howe skated around, came back, and winked at him. And said, just for a moment, it was like it was just me and Gordy Howe. And so that's why he always remembered that. And that's why he was so open with the fans. Mm-hmm. Now, his openness and his willingness to talk has gotten him in some hot water with the NHL. His comments regarding Gary Bettman, the 2005 lockout, and many, many of his comments over the years, like the most famous one being in the 96 playoffs against Colorado, where him and Patrick Waugh get into a little feud, mm-hmm. where Ronick goes, um, I like that uh, Patrick thinks he could stop me. I would like to know where he was in game three, probably getting his jock out of the stands of the United Center. <laughs> and Patrick had the greatest comeback ever. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, I can't really hear what Jeremy says because I got my two Stanley Cup rings plugging my ears. Boy. Yeah, the 90s, folks. It was a colorful time. Yeah. Now, just because Ronick was a fan favorite, it's also note that he was involved in Operation Slapshot, the nationwide gambling ring that involved Rick Tockett, Janet Wayne Gretzky, and multiple other people, and he got busted for it. And he pleaded guilty. He did. Now, despite all of this, Jeremy Roenick in, I would say they're probably a three-year period, you could argue Jeremy Roenick was the best player in the National Hockey League. He had three seasons where he scored 100 or more points, had 50 goals at the time of Chicago, Mm -hmm. and much like we were talking about earlier with Vincent LaCavalier, I think it's his later years with the Coyotes. Not so much with Philadelphia, he really... He made a real comeback with the Flyers. Mm-hmm. But when he went to L.A., Phoenix, the second time, is where I think people are really going to look at his career. Mm-hmm. And being like, well, you know, he wasn't that productive. He was just sort of there. And then, of course, he went to the Sharks where he got 1,000 points. And he was still a fan favorite in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And now that he's moved into broadcasting, I think he's a natural fit. He's just a jackass. He's, just, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a jackass, but I think he's a natural fit in front of a camera. He's more of a natural fit than. Yeah, he's uh, better than Cam Neely. Not so much Cam Neely, but Mike Milbury. <laughs> Milbury is brutal in front of the camera. Yeah, well, he just doesn't say. Milbury doesn't say much of value. I think Jeremy Aronick just needlessly insults people. Yeah. And I know you and I were talking about this off, off the record. It's kind of like that scene from the Simpsons where when Homer went to college and he mm-hmm. ran over the Dean and the Dean says, well, you know, Homer, I guess I have been a bit of an ogre. And Homer goes, yes, you have. Specifically, this is referring to uh, Jeremy Roenick talking to John Scott at the All-Star game. Yes. J- Jeremy Roenick basically just tr- trying to cover his butt. It's like, yeah, I never thought you'd be here. And uh, John Scott looks at him and like, yes, you're wrong. Um, I've got one more that's off the list. Okay. And this is for the constructor category. Now, the important thing about the constructor category is that you can still be active and nominated for the constructor category. Now, this is for coaches and general managers and staff that have been completely exceptional. And I think uh, over the last few years, David Poyle has built a very successful team in Nashville. And this is probably a very sustainable, successful team. He's built probably one of the best decors the NHL has ever seen. Yeah. He's gone. All of his core players locked up at phenomenal rates. Like in our top of the hour segment earlier, uh, we talked about him setting up Victor Everson and Johan- Marcus Johansson. Ryan Johansson. Ryan Johansson, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. 
On top of on top of also managing to bring in PK Subban for an, an older deteriorating Weber. Yeah. Like the man has made a bunch of moves and like his ability to build a pers- a, a team that will be a persistent winner is cannot be underrated. Yeah, and I also have to add that his drafting too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's drafted players like Scott Hartnell and Pecorene and Shea Weber. Like, it's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Martin Erad was a really good player in Nashville. Mm-hmm. David Leguan was a good player, but he wasn't a fantastic player. Yeah. And, of course, the decor, he drafted them. Yeah. Roman Yossi brought him in. So, Nashville, and he's done a really good job in building a hockey tradition in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Which, which is mostly known as a country music town. Mm-hmm. Like, not even the football team does that well. No, even the Titans. I mean, and it's funny that you mentioned the Titans... Because I was just on Facebook earlier this week and I saw that, because they're in training camp, yeah, going into preseason, and there was a fist fight that broke out between Titans fans. Wow. Yeah. And I think the one person argued, he says, well, maybe it's to saying, uh, maybe they're debating if they're finished 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> uh, But yeah, like, he's built a hockey tradition in a place where nobody... Like, to every Canadian fan who says that you can't build a tradition in, like, hockey in the South, yeah. here's Nashville. Right. Like, David Poyle should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I, I don't think it's a question of if. I think it's a question of when. Okay. Now, since you put one player in the builders category, I am also going to do the same. Mm-hmm. Dale Talon. Yeah. You want, you want the proof? Kane, Taves, Keith, Seabrook... Jomerson. I mean, you look at the current Chicago Blackhawks. How many of those guys he drafted? And like, and then he he was able to bring in the pieces they needed, like Marion Hosa. Yep. Uh, Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell. Like he just filled out that team. Dustin Bufflin. Dustin Bufflin drafted him. And then they got rid of Dustin Bufflin when. But that's different though. That's because he didn't fit. Yeah. Like he couldn't. They couldn't fit him, and they identified Dustin Bufflin as a, a player that was expendable, where many other people would have probably dumped someone else like seabrook and of course he's um i wouldn't say he's directly responsible for the nice little core they got in florida mm-hmm. but he, he did bring in alexander barkoff and aaron ekblad mm-hmm. although I, I i don't think you can credit people too hard for drafting ekblad first overall no i mean granted a toddler could have done that yeah but like Dave but we still got a couple of years to, yeah. to see if Ekblad really turns out that great because he's had his injuries and. Mm-hmm. But I think that yeah, Dave Talbot's another guy for the builders category that's phenomenal. And I guess, as a closing joke, I hope to hell Tim Peel doesn't get an officiation put into the referee category. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Not a fan. No, he is a. It's funny. Uh, Puck, the Puck Daddy blog on Yahoo Sports has a, has a blog titled The Adventures of Tim Peel where they rank stupid officiation decisions made by Tim Peel on a peelometer. <laughs> the fact that they have enough of they have enough Tim Peel decisions to make that blog should tell you something. Right. And that Tim Peel is the first referee in recent memory to be suspended. Because he went out for a drink with Puck Daddy. One game suspension. Really? Yeah. Crazy. 
Well, Tim, I guess that closes up our top five Hockey Hall of Fame 2016 wish list, bud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I think it's pretty obvious where we think it's going to go. Like, there's some... Like, Martin Brodeur's a lock. Yeah. Alfie's as close to a lock as we hope. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we got a chance to kind of talk about some people who... They probably won't make it in, but it's uh, careers that deserve to be looked back on. Absolutely. And this was a very... It was a fun list to do because it you really it really makes you think of who really would go in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I think it really makes you think kind of about what exactly makes a Hall of Fame worth keeping. Yeah. Like, what's wor- worthy of respect? Like, obviously, Sean Avery will never get anywhere close to the door. No. And he really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, it's interesting because there's, like, people who can be quietly brilliant, but if you don't have the hardware, you're not getting in exactly like it it makes me a little worried for eric carlson but i've got a feeling that he'll have enough he'll have like the fact that he already has two norrises is probably going to pad his way in yep and the fact that he he had seasons where he went a point he has two seasons where he essentially went a point a game yeah i think the same is going to happen with oliver ackman larson too Mm -hmm. because he's had back-to-back 20 goal seasons the problem with oel is the poor bastards trapped in the desert yep Although, with although you know the recent moves they've made, that could be a very good team. Could in short order, like how the hell did they get Charleston? Simple, Dave Towns in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. All right, Tim. I guess that closes out another episode for another night, bud. All right. Now, do you got anything you want to add before um, we close it off? Mostly, I, I'm just excited for more hockey. Yeah, I think this is going to be the last episode we're going to be doing until September, until the preseason, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, it's always fun. It always is. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we can get together tonight to record some episodes. And we're not talking about having sex with other men. No, we didn't say having sex with him. We said he's a beautiful man. It's true. That's we true. also said it's not gay. Well, it's not gay if it's Eric Carlson, Tim. It's true. All right. It's funny. Like, remember that old commercial with uh, the You Can Play ones? No, I don't. He says, you know, you can play, you can play, they have all the hockey players. Oh, right. And they had Henrik Lundqvist, and somebody's <laughs> like, well, it doesn't help if I'm staring into Henrik Lundqvist's eyes. <laughs> right. The NHL has some weird commercials over the years. We should have done top five NHL commercials. Yes, we should have. Because oh, there was one we'd talk about for days in middle school. Yes. We will talk about that in another episode. Mm-hmm. Because I know we've got a bye week, I believe. We do. Yeah, so maybe you never know. Top five NHL commercials. There you go. Mini sticks and toonies. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. But before we close up for another night, I do have to add we are on Twitter at Third Line Plug. Tim is M901 Honey Badger. I am Great White Gipster, G R 8 W Y T E. We are also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. And if you'd like to email about Eric Carlson, Send players that you want to add into Lockheed Hall of Fame 2018, or just give us some shit. Probably deserve. We'll see Tim as well. Yeah. Third line plug sets cast at gmail.com. And until next time, guys, I am your host, Tim Gibson. Yeah, this is Tim Gibson. Go Sens. Go Sens, guys.
so long, my time here is up. They're going home!